Hello and welcome to the Wood Floor Podcast, a podcast for flooring professionals, contractors, retailers, and anyone that's connected to the flooring industry. We deep dive into the lives of flooring professionals, new and old, contractors, meeting the big boss, and also experiences we found that may be valuable to you as a listener. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Um, first of all, who is Dorset Wood Floors? Ah, well, thanks very much for having me, first of all. Yeah, Dorset Wood Floors, we're a totally independent wood flooring specialist based in Poole in Dorset. Yeah. Um, yeah, we source you know, the highest quality wood floors we can for our clients, um, depending on what budget they've got. We are sort of mid to high price range, um, but, you know, we can cater for most budgets. Um where the business really is about, I think, roughly 70% installations, supply installation, about 30% of uh, sanding and refinishing. Okay. Um, yeah. Where did it all start? Well, I've originally from Guildford in Surrey. Okay. And I, funny enough, I didn't start in flooring at all. I was, um, when I left school, went to college, went to music college, and I was in music production until I was about late 20s, early 30s. Um and then at that time, I suppose you have to say, um, had to get a proper job. And uh, my brother, Duncan, who's at Wooden Stone in Guildford in Surrey, he moved down from London. He's been flooring all his life. And he started his business uh, at the same time um, when I needed to get a job. And yeah, he offered me a job and I started with him. Um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I learned on the job with him um, and worked there for quite a long time. Um, and then after... I can't remember, about five or six years, I went independent, uh, went up my own, still contracting and uh, for my brother and for various other people and then pushed it on to get my own work. Um, and then, yeah, three years ago, well, nearly three years ago, me and my family decided to move to Dorset and um, came down here, but that was just for COVID here, actually. And so I had these ideas about setting up a new business down here, COVID hit, um, and then... Um, yeah, it sort of changed what my original plans were going to be. Um, so, but I had, COVID was good for me in a way because it enabled me to um, uh, really sit down and reevaluate what I wanted to do with the business and where I wanted to go. Um, spent time setting up my website, and importantly for me was um, establishing some really good contacts with uh, suppliers that I had not been able to do previously, simply because when you're on the jobs and everything, you're so busy, you don't get that time to sit down and trawl your way through and, you know, strike up relationships with people. So that yeah. was, you know, made the best use of my time with that. And so, yeah. And um, slowly but surely we, yeah, we're getting quite established down here. So with, when you were working with your brother, were you predominantly, I'm assuming has he got a shop? Were you out on the tools or are you, are you hands yeah. on? Or, you know, what's, what's been your roles in the business you start as a fitter or how, yeah. how did that work out? absolutely yeah no fitter um he's got a shop showroom and yeah no literally on the tools from day one um you know start off as everyone does in the business on the edging sander on your hands and knees going around and then after a few months you're allowed on the on the hummel (laughs) and then uh go go from there yeah and and getting involved in the fitting Uh, i didn't have sort of you know structured training as it were it was literally learning on the job um you know which was good because you know you, you learn from your mistakes and that sort of thing um but yeah quickly got to grips with it and yeah enjoyed it and um you know i've always been good with my hands and sort of practical and that sort of thing so it was sort of a natural 
it felt natural, you know, and I, I was good at it. And I had a sort of, a, you know, a, a keen eye, especially for fitting and, you know, the way you set the boards out, the way you choose what part of the room you put certain boards in, that sort of thing. Yeah, I picked it up quite quickly. So, um, yeah, and it went from there. So then you've moved down down to Dorset and was the intention uh, to, to carry on contract? Now, have you opened, did I read, I've had a quick scan of the website. Have you now opened like a little studio or what, what have you done down down there? Yeah, um, I, I've always toyed with the idea of getting a showroom, but there's obviously, you know, there's, um, pluses and minuses to having a showroom so at the moment no I'm just office based with a you know just got a small office and basically meet go to site and meet clients that way um, so you know when the inquiry comes in um, I always have a good discussion with what they're after and try it's always tricky talking about money first up but you really need to know what sort of budget they're looking at because you know if they want a floor that they've suggested that's you know, and I know for instance it's 120 pounds a square meter yeah. There's no point in me showing them all that if they've only got eighty pounds a meter to spend. So, you, you know, we need to get to the grips of that. And then, obviously, because if they'd be potentially going down that road, there might be a compromise on specification with regard to width, grading, texture, so on and so forth. But, you know, I do. I'm really happy to sort of try and get the best quality floor that matches the client's, you know, needs for their budget. You know, I love the clients that. Uh... So you say you kind of need to not be as blunt to say what's your budget, but if you do ask a client, yeah. what's <laughs> yeah. the budget, and they say oh, we haven't got one, and you stood in a twenty square meter lounge and you say six grand, and they're like, whoa, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. But yeah. a minute ago you said you haven't got a, bu- a you know a budget. Oh well, actually, yes, we, we do, <laughs> we do. So yeah, Every, uh, well, the thing is, everyone's got a budget, and you know, even if um, you're in a you know massive, great big new build that's you know going to be absolutely fabulous they've got a budget everyone's got a budget um, yeah. and yeah that is the tricky thing like you say trying to get to the bottom of that without literally coming out and saying it um because you can waste a lot of time with people you know we're going down the wrong path with it you know um and time is money and you know i am really helpful on many levels but at the end of the day i can't spend you know hours and hours quoting for a floor that was, is never going to happen <laughs> no, no. so how, when you've moved down there how have you attracted the right clients to work with? How, how have you done that from like literally zero? Yeah, that's interesting. L- literally was the website. Um, right. so I spent a lot of time thinking about the website and how I wanted it to come across. Um, so, you know, I'm not a web designer, but I did, I did it myself and I did the best job I could do. Um, and the wording of it is very important. And really hit a mark with everyone everyone that's got in contact with me said the first things they say is i love your website and you know so that's really good and all the clients i'm getting are the clients that i want um and i think that's a bit of luck but i think also where i am in dorset that there, there is competitions competition everywhere but i don't think from what i can gather there's many wood floor specialists um there's there's you know your flooring shops that do a bit of wood bit of carpet you know and that and that's great but i've always been i don't do anything else i do wood flooring and i think you know the people my clients really like that and yeah. um you know and when they get to speak to me and i go to site they quickly you know realize you know my knowledge and um you know passion for the job and 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 all those things so um yeah really i obviously instagram um goes you know really nicely alongside the website um i don't 
I've never bothered. I've never personally been on Facebook or anything like that. So I've never gone down bother. that road. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, in, Instagram is great. Um, and ev everything like that, it all helps, doesn't it? But you, you need, there's not one thing I would say that definitely gets you your clients. It's, I think it's everything all together, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what, what have you spent, obviously, apart from your time, because if you're doing your website, it hasn't took you two minutes to do, but what was that when you moved um, to a new place, what was the biggest investment apart from your time to get the business to where it is now? Um, I, I, I didn't really, it was literally just time and, 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 and thought of, um, of where I want to be with the business and what I wanted to do and the, and the, and the clients. And of course, um, you know, it's your vision. Um, yeah. It, and, and, and I think if you pitch yourself to a certain client, person, customer, um, you need to, you can't be too generic and go, Oh, I, I'll do this. I'll do a hallway. I'll do a lounge. I'll do this. I want, like most people do, I want the real nice high end big jobs. Yeah. Um, you're not always going to get those. Um, but, what you will do is you will there'll be a certain you know price point and customers that you won't attract because they'll look at you and think that's too you're too expensive which yeah. you know I, I don't know you can look at that as a good thing or a bad thing i mean one of the jobs one of the first jobs i did down here actually was for a um, lovely customer up in ringwood and they said that they really liked everything i did they've seen my jobs on instagram uh, i did speak to them and she said to me after I finished the job, she said, when I did first contact you, she said, I didn't honestly think we could afford you. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Wow. What, why is that then? You know, and just had a really good chat. And so I, I came away from that thinking, oh, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? But um, I, I think now time has played out and I've been, you know, two and a half years down here. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm get, definitely getting the customers that I want. So um yeah, I think, I, think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You, you find your niche, uh, whatever yeah. it is. You know, if that's stack it high, sell it cheap, that's the niche. If it's high-end, residential, if it's commercial. And then, strangely, like as if by witchcraft, those clients breed the same clients. So normally, if you're doing yeah. high-end residential wood floors, the clients that are looking for high-end wooden floors have friends who also want... Wow. Oh, I, I, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more with you. I mean, funny enough, when I first went um, uh, solo, my advice from older people to me was take every job you can. You need to do everything. And, you know, it will be word of mouth and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I thought, oh, right, yeah, I've got to do that. You know, I didn't think about it. And I did. And when you do a small hallway down the road, the customer's friend comes in and she goes, oh, I really like this. It's great. And then she'll yeah. say, oh, think about doing not. And you will get another small hallway or whatever it is. If exactly. you do, you're not going to have someone coming into that house and say, oh, I'm just having 300 meters of herringbone fitted. Do you think this guy will do it? It doesn't work like that. No. The, cu the, the customers uh, who are having the big jobs done, the, you know, their friends come around for a coffee or for drinks in the evening. They'll look at the work and they'll go, ah, we're thinking of doing one of these in six months' time. Exactly. Yeah, and you do get the, the you know the jobs are related in in scale and size. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. It's uh, I think the technical uh, term for for taking every job you can is uh, chasing the pound. I think we've just released a an Instagram uh, reel this morning. It's on my mind about chase chasing the pound. So yeah, we we definitely don't agree with that. Um, yeah, and obviously it won't have been plain sailing uh, moving down there and um, setting up again. 
So what, at the moment, uh, right now, do you feel is the biggest challenge that, that's setting you setting you back a bit? Um, I, I, I think, just like everyone, the price of materials, is, that is becoming very difficult um, because we typically are in at the end of people's projects. And it's quite sad. I, I don't know when it was, uh, about three months ago, I had a few inquiries from um, these people that are having a really nice build. They sent me over the plans and I was like, wow, this is going to be great. Can't wait to do this one. Then what happened, I quickly got phone calls saying, look, the budget we had has now gone right down. I'm like, okay, because their steel price had doubled. Yeah. Then they just found out their glass price, lots of glass and all, you know, open plan, that had nearly doubled. Um, then all of a sudden they're looking at it and they're going, you know, obviously at the end of where I'd come in, they just don't have the budget anymore. And yeah. I ended up saying, they were saying, look, we're just going to have to go for a, you know, I don't know, um, a laminate or something like that. And I said to them, well, if you can, if you hold out, I said, my advice would be to do nothing. Um, don't put anything in because you are going to be wasting your money. And then in a year or two's time, you're going to rip out that. It's still costing money. Yeah. And then, you know, it's very difficult. So I have had those sort of conversations a lot recently. Um, and the problem is, I, obviously, I haven't got the answer to that. Um, I'm, I'm not in control of, um, you know, the markets and what's happening in Ukraine with the plywood and et cetera. It's that, I mean, it's genuinely worrying, isn't it, with, yeah. with that. But, I mean, supply issues, from my point of view, I've not had any at the moment. No. It's just really the, the prices, isn't it? You know, you, you sit down, you do your quote, and then you look at it and you think, wow. How much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not profit for us, is it? You know, that's the problem. Um, it's it's literally, you're, you're, more profit margins are, you know, more or less the same, but it, the job's gone up, isn't it? And you can't drop it because the diesel in the van, your insurance and all the operating costs of your business are yeah. certainly not going down. Um, no. And obviously in your You've still got to feed your family, which your your gas and electric home is not going down either. So yeah, yeah. you can't. Uh, yeah, well, be complete stupidity by you know keeping your prices the same. Uh, so everything just has a complete roll-on effect. Yeah. So no. Yeah, you I, you do. I mean, you know, the first time actually for, for many 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 years, I did have a, a customer say, "Look, oh, it's a bit more than we thought. Is there anything you can do?" Because uh, I do price my jobs competitively. I, I I'm not you know massively over the top of expenses but i'm definitely not you know the cheap option um but i looked at the prices for this particular job and i was like there's not really anything i can do on it you know i can take off you know 40 pounds (laughs) a gesture but then because it wasn't a particularly big job but you know I, I just can't do it um and in the end yeah they you know the customer's like okay fair enough and we we went ahead yeah so how many people are working the business? Is it just you or is there a few of you? How does how it operationally work? Yeah, predominantly it's just me. I had, um, again, because of COVID and stuff, I had these ideas about what I was going to do and I, I was going to you know, try and subcontract work out and, and so on and so forth. As to work my way out of COVID and um, with a new business, I've just stuck to it myself. So I, I'm doing everything. And I have now managed to find a couple of guys down here that um, – I can, you know, give the contract the work out to. Um, yeah. I'm doing that slowly but surely because I only like to use really, really good guys that I know their work's excellent um, because obviously we all know the pitfalls of um, 
Absolutely. you know, employing people and contractors and not turning up and sticking an awful dirty board right in the middle of the doorway and then customers phoning you up. And, Absolutely, you know, yeah. So it, it's hard. And, and, and the, the issues with finding the good guys is that they're always really busy. So yeah. getting them to give you time in their schedule is really difficult. But it's something for now, I'm happy doing what I'm doing and I will build it up to you know push more that way and as i get older you know i'm gonna have to um but in saying that what i what i big thing with what i do and a bit of a selling point when i do discuss jobs with my customers is that i don't run multiple jobs okay you know so i don't run on a monday morning i haven't got three jobs starting um i couldn't do it to, no. to start with because of scale but it's headaches and you know so when i start the job that job gets 100 percent focus until it's finished yeah um and and it really works customers are really happy they know every day you're going to turn up the work's going to progress it'll get finished on the day that it's been agreed and you know often people have either moving back in or they'll be decorating other trades coming in so I always make sure that you know my schedule stays as as as, as, as you know set in stone as it possibly can there's always things that get moved you do have to be a bit fluid but I, I, that's a big thing for me is not to and also I, you don't want the headaches and the dramas well, and that's exactly it i think uh, i remember when i was on the tools and uh the the issue that was caused was actually the mental and emotional but you would go to your own job to fit 35 square meters but you would have two other jobs running in the background where your phone would be ringing about this and that and the other yeah. So you're not actually completely present at the job that you're at. So you are, yes, you are there, but on your mind, you've got, yeah. you, know, you know, six miles up the road, you've got one guy doing a hallway and then another two guys doing, you know, a dream job of 75 meters, you know, you know, 15, 20 grand luxury, house, uh, luxury floor in a lovely house. But you're trying to fit, you know, what is a simple job. But you're just not mentally with it. You're just not. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you need so to get to somewhere else. You need to go and check the workers. You know, or you need to. You're just not there. You're just not. You're not present, which can be like detrimental to your work when you're meant to be the expert. So it's yeah, yeah. Completely... I, 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 and and you do end up sort of rushing what you're doing. You know, um, exactly. And 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 then yes, you're not given. I don't think you're then giving the customers you know the time that they deserve. But but equally you end up not enjoying it um and yeah you can get into a miserable headspace quite quickly doing that. <laughs> yeah uh, one thing that i found interesting which a lot of contractors and wood floor guys don't do was i asked you when you could come on this podcast and you said i've got an office day to like today which is today obviously yeah. um and there's a lot of guys either you know work until nine ten o'clock at night um, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you manage running your jobs, but taking time away from the business, um, like you've done today to do your, your paperwork and stuff? How, how do you yeah. do that? And how have you got in that regime? Cause that's loads of people fall down at that and they're, they're working 80, 90 hours a, w a week and they're like, they're not getting any further forward. So if you yeah, explain I, that I, a bit. I, I, um, I sort of naturally fell into this, without you know funny enough listening to your podcast and you know explaining about doing that i've sort of found myself that oh blimey i'm on something out here because i'm already doing it um it, what we just spoke about the stress of just working all the time coming home doing paperwork and going out quoting all the time you know saturdays as well you know you're out and about um 
it was too much. It's yeah. too much. And I, when I was doing, especially when I was in Surrey, um, I didn't realise till I moved down to Dorset, I was miserable. I was, yeah. You know, I didn't like it. Um, so when we come down here, again, it, COVID's been quite good for me because it's given the time to evaluate. And it's about, um, I started off, I like to work for the people I work for. I, I need to get on with them. They need to get on with me. I need to get on with them. Um, and if you ever turn up to a job and you think, oh, I don't think we're going to get on here. I think their expectations are too high. I can walk away from that job yeah. um, and I, I won't do it. Well, that's really hard to have done when I was younger. Um, so going back to what I was saying, you know, I don't, not running multiple jobs is the big thing. So not, not taking on too much work. The work I like to get involved in is the right work. And yeah. I need, you know, if, if for instance, I, a job's taken me eight days. So I've, on the first week and then I finish the following week on the Wednesday. I won't go, oh, right, I'll start that. That's what I used to do. I yeah. don't now. I make sure that I'll get a bit of time there and it's not time, you know, if my wife thinks I'm sitting at home doing nothing, enjoying myself. <laughs> um, you know, that is the time that you get an inquiry and you say, oh, great, I can see, I can come over to you and see you on Thursday. Um, and then, you know, I can do site visits for new jobs come home, invoice the previous job, so on and so forth. It, and you have to do that. And then you're working, I'm starting to work sort of what I would say normal hours. Um, and, you know, if I'm on site sometime, I still do it, you know, till nine o'clock at night to get things done. I'll still do it, of course I will. Yeah. Um, but I'm not doing it all the time. And, no. and funny enough, the last couple of years I've come to Dorset, I've had two really good years. And not only have my turnout gone up by a lot, um, I'm working less hours. So it, it, it's hard to do and you have to be brave because it sounds like, oh, yeah, I'm making loads of money and everything else. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just doing, you know, what I normally done. But it's brave to decision to not run your diary um, because exactly. everyone tells you you have to. And then sometimes, you know, I like to be, I'm, typically I'm sort of four, five, six weeks booked up in advance. And then you get to that point where all of a sudden, oh, I haven't got anything for October. And I used to really panic. And then someone comes in and says, oh, can you do this job? And you go, yeah, I'll go and do that for you. I'll do a bit of contracting or something. Then I get a, a really good inquiry that needs to be done that same time. And yeah. I miss out because I've just gone and done a normal week's work for someone. you know. And I've, I've stopped all that now. So because you know that at some point the phone will ring and you will get that good inquiry. And if I'm busy or doing something I don't really want to do, um often or, you know i have in the past missed out on it so, uh, that's exactly uh we've speak on the last podcast i did and it was about when it goes quiet to hold your own and to sort of yeah exactly that where don't start grabbing again in panic yeah just take, yeah take a breath and it as you said it takes some bottle just to just to like all right i'm going to stick to my regime this will just work it out which you know, some people might think that's naive. Some people think that's really clever. But most of the time, if you're pretty good at what you do, it will just work itself out. That form yeah, will and, ring. And it will. You know, and it will. I mean, I, I, I was, I had massive lack of confidence when I first started doing inward flooring um, because effectively I didn't know what I was doing. And as you work your way up and become really skilled. Years and years and years to then all of a sudden I stood back one day and it just hit me. I don't know why or how, but I just thought, actually, I am very knowledgeable and I am very good at what I do. And the service and everything I'm giving to customers, you know, at the time, I was so cheap. Yeah. You know, I, I was charging customers what you'd get paid for doing contracting. 
Yeah. No one, you know, didn't have any advice. No one told me anything different, you know. Um, So now I know that when I'm doing a job for people, you are getting the full experience, you know, getting the service, the quality, the communication. Um, You know, I will dedicate all my time to the job. Customer's always really happy. I'm happier. And yeah, work and stuff. And, you know, that's part of the job, you know, getting paid for it is out, but it's part of the job. So, you know, that's where you're earning your money. You know, good to site visits book work you're still paid for from when you're on site but yeah it's um you're doing it for free are you <laughs> no absolutely no um so if you had a magic ball um what what what's next for for dorset woodflowers yeah what i'm trying to do and now this is the holy grail i'm looking um sort of create my own ranges flooring from all the popular products that i know that i sell the most of Around here because i've got a really interesting market around here because i've got you know out in the country doors here we've got the uh, really nice cottages and all that sort of thing and i've got discovered this really nice range of distressed antiques looking floors but also in quite modern colors yeah so i'm going to start pushing that through the website soon and uh, yeah I'll, I'll, i'm going to give it a go on the website just selling it sort of a really nice um what i think will sell floors um and also the, the other thing is down here we've got the more um, there's lots and lots of really modern contemporary houses so you know they like the prime grade herringbone and wide plank and that sort of thing so i'm going to put together a few things on the website and sort of test the water with that and see how that goes um and also yeah i'm, I'm, I'm over the next couple of years i want to try and establish some relationships with um some you know really good quality fitters that i can rely on to do the work so so i can hopefully try and step back from fitting because i can't be doing it for i'm fine now but i can't be doing it forever so and, and try and build the business that way but yeah i'm not looking to take over the world or anything like that but just keep world doing domination doing yeah yeah I, well this is the, the funny thing is wood flooring it's such a great industry um and it's, it's a very niche market isn't it yeah um and i'm well you might know some but i don't know any millionaires from wood flooring no um, no i don't think there's uh, i think uh, the ones that have done a bit better have normally got some sort of side businesses or additional yeah, yeah additional but, sort of uh, it's not just from a wooden flooring business they've got other yeah i mean you, you don't become a huge but the thing is what you do do you get it's a really good business that you can do really well in yeah, and you know, and and earn good money, but um, yeah, if you're going to get into wood flooring to becoming, um, yeah, amazingly rich, it's probably not the not the job for you. <laughs> no, no, um, but I mean, one of the conversations that blew me and a couple of clients away from a course we ran uh, last week was um, young Ben Wilkinson, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, is 21, and and when I was 21, you know, I had zero guidance. I had obviously moment granddad and this that and the other and but there was no let's say training courses available no. of how to run a successful flooring business you kind of just guessed pretty much as you said you had no experience and you learn along the way yeah and what what clicked with us at the training course was obviously i was running it but i mean so it's a little bit i won't say hypocritical but but basically what clicked was he was 21 with people in the room with 
20, 25, 30 years experience in all the things to do and all the things not to do. Yeah. If you implement them at 21, where would you be by 31? You know, you, yes, you're flowing business. You're probably not going to make a million pound profit, um, possibly. But if you are making good profit year on year, the compound and put that into property, stocks and shares or whatever you put it into, if you do that from 21 to, let's say, 31, you would be at 31 significantly, you know, um, doing well in such, if that's what your class is success, um, by just implementing the things from the people already kind of done it, uh, which is what you use mentors for and stuff like that. But it just blew us away that how young and fresh, um, you know, Ben's enthusiasm was. Um, but yeah, it was just a like a light bulb moment for us all, thinking, "Wow, if we'd yeah. done this, we, yeah. <laughs> we'd have a portfolio well, of property, we'd have stocks and shares, yeah. you know, the, how, the mortgage would be paid off, and and we'd That's still it. be fitting Mrs. Jones's lounge. You know, we would yeah. we wouldn't have to do the the struggling bit. Um, but yeah, it's a completely it's, the the thing is is that nothing beats experience, yeah. um, I, and that's a fact. And that's not to say that you know having a go about young people but but you don't learn from when it goes well you no. learn from when it goes wrong and it's how you recover from that that's where you learn your experience the, the, the big advice that i would say especially for guys like ben is that and i think he's doing it is that you can learn all this and take it on board and implement it but the big thing is is, is to listen yeah. and to learn and when someone who's got 30 years experience is saying i did this and i did that now it, it might have no effect on him and no benefit it might you know not might not be relevant but listen and take it on board and then don't make the same mistakes that someone's telling you that they made because you know i never had anyone tell me that i never had any advice really um yeah. everything i've ever learned i've i've you know found out the hard way sort of thing but um yeah yeah that's the thing with young people because they don't anyone over 30 they think's ancient and and a bit of an idiot that's the way a lot of people like mm. but um if they can learn and 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 yeah take it on board then and with all the everything else that like for instance you train doing the training courses then yeah future's bright yeah so with, with that in mind um what is the biggest mistake you feel you've ever made um well on, on the, i suppose Fitting wise, um, I was doing a herringbone job and it was a really awkward job. It was a big job um, and I hadn't really done many, much herringbone at all. <laughs> right. So how I was on it, I don't know. But we were held up by lots of other trades. So rather than fitting the spine out and then working off either way, we were doing a bit here and a bit there and a bit over there. And, and then the customer wanted it to flow through to this other big room. Right. And of course... It wasn't going together particularly well. Um, and then one day, I before, just finishing um, in the evening, I thought, right, I'm going to go through into the other room and then just put a spine in down there. And it had to connect up through two doors. And I fitted it all beautifully, and it went together, the spine, tight as anything. And I stepped back. I thought, blimey, it's going off by about a foot from left to right. <laughs> I thought, right, well, I'm going to have to correct this quickly before the glue goes off. So I did my tinkering away and strained it up. Of course, it doesn't work. It was all gappy. Yeah. So when we fitted the rest of it, it had all these minute, you know, it was all out of line. So we thought, oh, we'll just put some filler in it and um, fill it. And it wasn't no. it wasn't horrendous, but it I was really kept me up at night. And then we went to put the uh, lacquer on it. Um, 
it was quite a big job. So I think we went through two cans of lacquer and just coming on the last bit, the young lad I was working with, which is right, open up another pot and we need another pot to dry. And of course we didn't shake it. Uh-huh. So it, it was all nice and um, silk matte. And then it went through the last bit and it was ultra gloss because it <laughs> uh-huh. well. hadn't been shaken. And of course, at that point, I didn't know what to do. I thought that was it. I thought, you know, my life was over. And then until we phoned up the rep and he said, no, no, just you haven't shaken the can. Key it back hard. Cool. And then put another coat on. I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, funny enough on that job, uh, a guy that I know went back, the house got sold and he went back to resand and finished it. And he said, actually, it wasn't as bad as what I made out. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that kept me up at night, that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> but again, okay. you, 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 you forget learn don't you and when you're on the job um you're under stress and pressure want to get the job done and things happen don't they absolutely that's the only way and then uh, the more positive swing on this what what is the best job you feel in your portfolio you've done what what's what really stands out i know there'll be um oh there's there's been a few um one of the nicest jobs I did, which was funny enough, it's not because it was the biggest one I did, but it was just worked seamlessly, was um, I just had an inquiry one day for 300, 330 metres of herringbone and 250 metres of uh, plank in the nice. same finish. And they'd taken the code off my website and said, I want it in that one. That I thought, wow, that that. I've never had that before. And I thought, is this for real? I phoned up the customer. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went around the house, had a very large, very nice house moving in. And I brought the samples around. She said, I love it. I went, she said, when can you start? And I said, well, yeah, we'd be able to start in her time schedule. It was five weeks' time when they were moving into the property. Yeah. She gave me the deposit, paid for the floor there and then, the next day. And then I went in, and the rooms were prepped beautifully by the builders that were there. Wow. And it went fabulously, looked amazing, and did it all on schedule with literally no hassle whatsoever. Right. And I've got to say, that's never happened. That's really, no. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. Um you're just waiting for that one thing. It can't go this smoothly. It can't. It's impossible. Yeah, no, she, uh, but to be fair, she did call me up because she'd left um a what they call it, like a yoga mat, you know, like the plastic rubber yoga yeah. mats they have, yeah. and that had got wet and it had oxidized or something weird with the oil and which I had to go back and sort out. But other than that, no, it was, um, it was great. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. Well, we're going to go into the quick fire round, uh, which is just a little bit of fun, but people get to know what you're about, uh, probably more on a personal level. So, uh, dominoes or five guys and why? Um, definitely not dominoes. Can't stand dominoes. <laughs> um, it's like sludge on pizza bread. Um, I, don't, I haven't had five guys for years. Um, so, but, you know, yeah, burger, five guys. Burger. <laughs> uh, sunbathing or skiing? Um, sunbathing, although I don't sunbathe, but I don't, don't mind hanging out in the shade um, next to the pool. Um, yeah. I, I, yes, skiing. I only went once and it was a disaster. Never again. <laughs> and, and have you got a go-to alcoholic drink? Um. Yeah, usually you you ask, don't you, beer or wine? I do. Um, I've changed it. You, you change, well, I'd just say, yeah, probably both. Both? Beer and wine. <laughs> beer and wine. Not together, yeah. though. No. Not together, no. Uh, yeah. Um, like bread. 
And in your house now, what flooring have you got fitted? Oh, well, that's a, a good question because I can answer that very specifically because I've just we've moved into a property and we've just recently finished renovating it. So, Brilliant. yeah. So now I've got downstairs um, herringbone, uh, engineered herringbone. It's not an unfloor heating. Um, and then we've done two processes to the house. It was a wreck the house we bought. So we just renovated the original part of it, and then hopefully um later on in the year we're going to put an extension at the back and i'll put a probably a, a wide plank prime grade in that with the same finish as what i've got um in the front rooms what finish is that what finish you've got in the herringbone with that one i went with uh rubio monaco um and what was the color it was white five percent i think right it was um yeah that was um obviously that was a tricky client because it was my wife um <laughs> She, she 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 did want it a bit whiter and i did put my foot down because of the, the way it was decorated was quite light as well so i thought if we go too white with the floor it would be a bit clinical so i wanted a bit of the the oak to come through and that and the white five percent from rubio did just that and it's it was good because i didn't have much time to we had seven weeks to do the whole property from strip it back to brick yeah, replumb, rewires, yada yada yada. So I, yeah, when it comes to the floors, they probably got the least amount of my time. <laughs> so it was so, unfinished, and then you've put Rubio on. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's great, isn't it? Because it goes on one coat, and Done. you get back on it the next day, don't you? So cool. And uh, if you won ten million tonight, three top Ooh. things you would spend it on. Oh, um, property. It's got to be, isn't it? Um, yeah, property and probably. Would that, be, would that be for you, or would that be for investment? Would you want a, another second home somewhere? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought for, originally I thought you said would that be just just for me to move into without the kids? Um, but no, <laughs> I'll have to take them as well, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think so. Property, yeah. Brilliant. That's what I, I'd like to do. That actually, I, if if I had the chance, I'd like to get into sort of property developing. Um, yeah but um yeah that would do it yeah and if you had won that 10 million what's what's the dream car what would you buy oh i don't know i'm not really into cars but i suppose yeah um i've always liked the, the porsche 911s yeah so maybe a vintage one of those maybe rather yeah. than a new one um, funny enough i just i did do the floors at um porsche in bournemouth okay um not so long ago and they had it's they or they called it a classic pod section so it's basically they've got all these displays of privately owned cars um and they let porsche have them for a couple of months to put in their classic pod bit and that when we went to do the floors the car that was sat on it was a uh was it, it was a targa right yeah uh six, 1968 and i said to the guy who's in charge i said if you don't mind asking how much is this car and he said yeah it was in i think he said it was insured for three hundred and sixty thousand pounds wow i was like, I was like oh okay i'll be <laughs> better get this off the floor quite um carefully then <laughs> yeah don't get dust on it uh, definitely no 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 oh brilliant and the most important question um mash roasties or chips <laughs> uh, well it depends what day of the week it is uh if it's sunday it has to be roast doesn't it um yeah. But oh, I, I'm going to be boring and say chips. Brilliant. Brilliant. And where is the best place for people to 
find you, Tom? Um, what you like? Is it your, yeah, your, your website? Is it like, or where else are you available if anyone wants to contact you? Yeah, um, mainly through the web. All the details are on the website, which is um, DorsetwoodFloors.co.uk, um, and Instagram, <clears throat> I believe, is just DorsetwoodFloors. Brilliant. So yeah, on there. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed this one. It's uh, it's been great. No, thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Woodfork podcast. I've been your host, Tom. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is Cockrell and Co. And also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.